And welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 38. 38. The John and Karan episode. The Dave Andrachuk episode. Uh, John and Karan, a Bruin goat, a Bruin legend. Career never really panned out, but hey, what are you going to do? Sometimes hey, career is his own goal. He's remembered in this city for being a meme. For being a meme. I mean, his name still comes up on Twitter every now and then. I mean, everyone remembers John and Karan. Oh, yeah. Where were you when the Bruins drafted Jordan Caron? Never forget. <laughs> I was honestly probably, dude, I was probably at the pub, at, like, watching the game, at, yeah. uh, or watching the draft, not the game. What am I saying? I think, I think but, more people probably remember when he got kicked off this team, when he was, what was he, waived or traded or whatever the hell happened to him. More people probably remember that than the moment that the Bruins drafted him. Number 38. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised there's more than one number 38 in Bruins history. I figured who the hell wears that number other than Jordan Caron. Uh, there's actually surprisingly a lot of people, but Andrew Chuck and Caron were the most notable. And if Caron's one of the most notable, I mean, that's going to be saying something. But <laughs> I mean, he was taken 25th overall in 2009. He played 157 games. Um, mostly with the Bruins. He had one season in Colorado, one season in St. Louis. Uh, he had 28 total points in 157 games. Um, all of those points came with Boston, actually. Um, but did but, he yeah. did he play any games in 2011 with that team? Did he get a ring? Actually, he must have got a ring because he played, he played 23 games. He had seven points. Jordan Caron, the Stanley Cup champion. Huh? Jordan, Jordan Caron, the unsung hero of the 2011 <laughs> Boston Bruins. But hey, speaking of 2011, we, um, we've got two games so far into this first round against the Florida Panthers. Both games, not the best hockey from the Bruins. What the, are, I got to ask you, are you, are you worried? There's so many things to talk about before we really get into it, but are you, are you nervous? No, I mean, no. I didn't think that the Bruins were going to sweep them anyways. And I think that most people know it's, it's so hard to sweep a team in the Stanley cup playoffs, which is funny because thinking back of that 2018, 2019, 2019 disastrous Tampa Bay lightning team that got swept. That's why it's even funnier, but no, I think most people knew that. I mean, the Bruins are going to have some bumps on the road to winning the cup. If that's how this season ends. And I mean, the Panthers played them really well this year. I think the Bruins were two yeah. one and one against the Panthers in the regular season. So you know it was going to be a dogfight to beat these guys. Um, it, it definitely stinks that one of the two losses came at home. Um, but you know the Bruins are also great on the road, and literally it seemed like almost everything had to go wrong last night for the Panthers to pull out that win. I know uh, they hung six on the Bruins, but yeah, but. Uh, it- 
like you said, but everything did go wrong. Yeah, yeah I know. That was that was the absolute worst game they've played all season. And I'm oh, I'm, I'm I'm considering the Blackhawks game where they let up like seven or whatever. I'm considering the Ottawa game where they let up like nine or whatever it was. But those games didn't mean anything. This this right now, last night's game. At home, game two, Stanley Cup playoffs, round one, Florida Panthers, you laid an egg. You looked like absolute shit from puck drop to the end of the game. Awful, like awful, awful, awful. Yeah. Worst hockey I've seen from this team. Yeah, no, I mean, you said it. <clears throat> I mean, they sucked on every level. The defense, that was one of the worst defensive games from the defensive unit I've seen all year. They could not break the puck out of their zone to save their lives. The t- The game was... The Bruins were hounded by turnovers all game. And a lot of time, it seems like these turnovers are in the neutral zone, whether it be mm. pasta getting a turnover or trying to enter the zone, they struggle. But it started, a lot of them last night started in the defensive zone. They just couldn't hit on breakout passes. Charlie wow. McAvoy was trying to get too cute, like three or four times lost the puck on the Bruins, inside the Bruins blue line. Um, Hampus Lindholm, a couple times, the puck was just exploding off his stick when he's trying to stick handle. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was almost a disaster class of exactly what you should not do when you're a defensive been trying to get a play started um and and it cost the bruins last night a lot of these turnovers led to direct chances for the panthers a lot of these turnovers stagnated any kind of response that the bruins are trying to get because they literally they could not string two or three passes in a row together to save their lives and it sucked and i think that there could be an obvious maybe not obvious answer but there could be a solution brewing on how no pun intended of how you can maybe do something with this defensive core what are your thoughts about injecting Grizzly into this lineup for game three? Yes, yes, I, I don't care. Um, like you just like you just said, the the breakouts are horrible. They're not connecting on any passes. Um, and ooh, Toronto just scored. I, I have the uh, I have game two Toronto Tampa up on the TV right now. Toronto took an early lead on the power play, but who cares? They're gonna lose anyway. Um, <laughs> but you, I think you need. Grizzly into this lineup right now because he's a puck mover. We we've we've mentioned before, it, playoffs get hard, playoffs get physical. Matt Grizzly is not typically that kind of player. Um, he's a smaller guy. He's not the biggest guy out there. But it's almost like the defensive core right now is almost overloaded with those types of players. Like Orlov, you got. Oh, and by the way, we'll get to Orlov. Oh my god! But Orlov is a big guy. McAvoy is a big guy. Lindholm is a big guy. Uh, Brandon Carlo is a fucking unit. Uh, Derek Forbert obviously is a bigger guy. And then Clifton's the, the, the one small guy. Um, but you need Grizzlick to kind of come in. And I think you take Forbert out. Forbert's missed the last, what, 25 games about? So first game back is in playoff hockey. I mean, it's a whole different animal out there when you're playing playoffs. And and I don't think he's necessarily, I don't want to say ready, but I feel like he needs to shake off some rust, especially now that this series is tied. Put Grizzly back in, see what happens. Just because you swap out forward and Grizzly doesn't mean the whole lineup is going to change. That's one guy that you're injecting in. And we mentioned it's the, it's the breakout passes from the defensive unit that's not really connecting right now. And it's, 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 Worth a shot to just put Grizz back in there and see what happens. 
Yeah, a lot of it too was just sloppy, lazy hockey. Even a lot of the passes behind the net, you know, when uh, maybe Florida chips it in or, or the Bruins corral a rebound and they're just trying to go from D partner to D partner behind the net. And the other guy's either too late, he's too slow to the boards, he misses the puck and suddenly it goes right around the boards to the Florida Panthers defenseman and we start this whole thing over again. I can't even count how many times that happened last night. Um, but you're totally right. I mean, I, heading into the playoffs, I thought that Grizzly was going to stay in the lineup. I remember talking to it about my dad. You know, Forbert was healthy. The playoffs are about to start. And Grizzly, I know he started the season off really rocky, but he was playing some good hockey heading into the playoffs. And like you just said, Der- Derek Forbert, I mean, the Bruins definitely missed him at points throughout the season, especially when uh, their, pen- their penalty kill was taking some bumps and bruises around the All-Star break when he was out. <clears throat> um, but, I mean, like you said, he hadn't played hockey in like 25 games. And to come back and, and suddenly, boom, your first game is against the Florida Panthers, a team that's like second in the NHL in penalty minutes, a team that's they're going to do what they can to throw you off their game because that's the only way the Panthers can win this series is if they're doing dirty shit, yes. if they're following up their hits, if they're chirping you, you know it's going to be that kind of series. And not that Derek Forbert can handle that. I'm not saying that at all, but like, you know, to throw a guy into a lineup who hasn't played in a couple of months and suddenly he's injected into a, an atmosphere like this after watching games from the ninth floor for the last couple of months. I mean, that's a big change. And when Grizzly comes in too, I mean, do you think he's going to go back with, um, you know, do you think he'll slide into that third pairing with Clifton or do you think they might put him up there with McAvoy and maybe drop Orloff down? See, that's the thing. I, I almost want to say that they put him with McAvoy just because Orlov hasn't looked good either. I mean, he's given the puck away like crazy. Um, sure, he's had a couple of big hits, and obviously he's one of the stronger defensemen out there, but we all saw the Orlov giveaway in game one when he just literally handed the puck over to Kachuk in the slot like, like and just gifted him a goal. Um, but you mentioned the penalty kill too with, without Forbert. If you look at the numbers and you really crunch it, Sure, the penalty kill with Forbert in the lineup was elite. That's not even a debate. I think it was at like 87%, something like that, some high number like that. But without Forbert in the lineup, the penalty kill in the and and I understand that the there were less penalties to kill because he's been, you know, he's been out, but the penalty kill percentage was actually four or five points higher than it was with Forbert in the lineup, anyways. So I understand that it's valuable and what Forbert brings is for sure valuable to the team and to the lineup. But when you're looking at how the defensive unit is playing right now, bobbling passes, barely breaking the puck out, having them carry it through the neutral zone and then not really knowing what to do with it. I think you need to make a change. And I think the change is Grizzly instead of Forbert. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, um, you know, the, the, the Bruins big three on defense, right? Uh, I guess at this point it's Orlov McAvoy and Lindholm. They yep. stunk last night. They're Awful. turning the puck all over the ice. Another thing Orlov does a lot, and, and he's got a real nice shot on him. I mean, that was evident by that goal he had the other day when he freaking sniped it over the goalie's shoulder from the goal line, which was, <laughs> yeah. I thought that, I saw 81, I thought that was Phil Kessel for a sec. It was the Russian <laughs> Dmitry Orlov. Um, but sometimes he'll wind up and he'll take shots from the blue line with a forward from the other team two feet in front of him. And it gets right. blocked and gets sent right out of the zone. And that's just like, 
man, if you're a defenseman, they teach you that shit in squirts, man. Put that puck down the boards or find somebody. You're the last man back. The last thing you want to do is take a shot into the other team's shin guards when they're standing right in front of you. But, um, I mean, that's just the defensive we're talking about. I mean, the forwards themselves had one hell of a night last night trying to keep the puck on their stick. You know, we can go through everybody and talk about turnovers, but and it, that was a huge one that Tyler Bertuzzi had when he, yep. who's, by the way, for his first two career playoff games, is playing out of his mind right now. So I hate to bring it up, but he did have that one turnover where he tried to get a little too cute and a little drop pass in the Bruins zone zone that ended with, uh, I don't remember who it was, somebody on the Panthers, literally one on oh just standing yep. right in front of Linus Omar. Oh, it was uh, Lusserainen. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did a quick little deke, and it was a nice save by Omar. But, you know, Omar himself had a little bit of struggles last night. So what do you think heading into game three? Are you still riding with Omar, or are you maybe giving Swayman the nod? No, I still think you go Omar. If you if you immediately jump to Swayman after losing one game, I think that shows panic. And I think Florida's going to jump all over that. I mean, right now, Florida has the momentum. That's I don't think that's a debate. Florida has the momentum. So if you switch goalies, say, right, and Swayman starts game three and he lays an egg too, then what are you gonna do? What are you yeah. gonna do then? Because if you if you if Allmark plays tomorrow, tonight when you're listening to this, and they lose again, okay, you're down a game. That's not the end of the world. It's a little bit of a panic index right there if if you lose that game. But if if Swayman plays that game and he loses, then all of a sudden you're going to go Allmark again and then I feel like everybody's kind of confused. Everybody's a little bit off their rocker a little bit and playing on edge. I think you got to go Allmark in game three. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Swayman starts game three, but I think the right move is to stay with Allmark, kind of let him also mentally reset because if you if you don't go on mark who knows what that does to his mindset maybe he's like shit um maybe i do suck in the playoffs because we we all know his previous playoff stats aren't great so if you immediately after one loss just kind of say you know what uh all mark you're not starting swim and go what does that do to all mark yeah yeah no i mean i i couldn't agree more but you said i would still be riding all mark um i mean i don't blame him he he didn't play his best game yesterday, but a lot of those right. goals, I mean, you can't really blame him for. I know I tweeted at you right. about, I think it was the one that really sucked was I think it was their, the Panthers' third goal. I think this was when it was 2-2 and it, and it broke the game oh, open. When, is that the, when is he that the did, Montour goal? Yeah, the man, the wrist shot from the blue line that just beat him yeah. over the over the uh over his shoulder, but almost far down, top top left. Um, I yeah. mean, there's really as as a goalie, I understand. You know, you can't see. There was two guys right in front of his face, but it's just those uh, saves like that are a lot harder than they look. But those are just saves that Olmark has made all year, and it just sucked that that was the position in the game that a goal like that had to be scored. And of course, the Panthers ended up kind of running away with it. They burst it open a six-two after that or whatever it was. But um, no, I I totally agree with you. I would definitely go Olmark next game and i think for the reason that you said i mean if the bruins were to turn first of all if they were to turn to swayman and give him the nod if you're Omar, what are you thinking like you play well game one you don't have your best game game two i mean arguably for a guy who's had i can't even count on one hand the amount of of games 
that he's had this year where people have sat down and been like, ah, could he have been, could he have been better that game? I think last night was definitely one of those. And right. I think that he's earned the right to get the start next game because of what he's done for you all year. But if you do start Swayman, and like you said, man, if Swayman shits his pants and suddenly the Bruins are in Florida, they're down in the series 2-1, and they got uh, Omark, who is on a super short leash because you just pulled him and rattled his confidence, and you got Swayman, right. who just imploded in this game. I mean, now you have an issue at the goaltending position where you haven't had all year long. Um, right. And I was, damn it, I was going to say something else, but I forgot well, what I was going to say. Did somebody well, just score in the game? I saw your reaction. No, no, they, the, Tampa had a good chance, but there was this, there was this one tweet, this person tweeted at me, uh, and he actually ended up deleting the tweet, but it was something along the lines after the game, basically blaming Allmark for the loss. And, if I swear to God, if people give Allmark the Tuca treatment this year, if things don't go our way, I'm going to lose my faith in in that class of Bruins fans. <laughs> the, 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 it'll be the exact same people who blame Tuca for everything. I, it, it cannot become a narrative. Unless Allmark lets up like six goals every single game in this playoff run. Maybe we can have a discussion then, but you just lost one game. You lost one game and people are saying, oh, Mark's not built for the playoffs. He's he's the reason this team lost. Should have gone sway. Oh my God, people relax. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I almost lost my mind on so many people last night. <laughs> I, I did the right thing and I put my phone down for most of the part. Listen, you're a bigger man than I am. Goalies <laughs> are so underappreciated in this city, but to that person's point, I gotta ask. Omar has now started four games in the playoffs. He's one in th- one in three. His first career playoff start, he gave up four goals. His second career playoff start, he gave up four goals and was pulled. His third start, which was the other night, he played well, gave up one goal. The Bruins won, and then last night he gave up five goals on what was it like twenty six shots and a six three loss. So, do you think after all this that? You know, maybe those are just a couple fluke games after what he's done this year. Or do you think that maybe there's something with him in performing in the playoffs? I have no, to ask. I, I I don't think so at all. I mean, like we just said, like one goal last night was on Allmark. Every other goal, the defense left him out to dry. The team in front of him played like shit. Um, the Bruins hardly drove the play at all last night either. So when, a, when your team is playing in front of you like that, like, you're not going to be able to be Superman and stop everything. I mean, he made a couple of insane saves last night, even in in the beginning of the game and towards the middle of the game. Um, There was one specific one. I don't remember who took it, but it was a breakaway and Omar ended up like sliding down on his belly, stretching the legs out and, and getting his skate on the puck. Like, I don't think actually, I'm not even don't think I know he's not, like rattled by the playoffs. I think he's just had a couple of unlucky starts. Um, last night, th- I blame the team more than anything. I, I don't blame Allmark at all. Um, I think he's just going to string together a couple of wins and then he, he's going to be fine. Like he, and I'm not saying he's not fine. He's a hundred percent fine, but I, I don't want people to start panicking and, and start to point fingers after an insane regular season. And I understand the regular season's over that we it's in the past. It's done. What happened in the regular season was some of the most incredible hockey that we will ever witness for the rest of our lives. That is a fact I do not think we're ever going to see a team dominate a regular season. Like the 20, 
2022-2023 Boston Bruins did. They were, I think they finished the season like plus 127 goal differential. And the second closest team was Carolina, like plus 60 something. Like you, <laughs> you, you will never see a team dominate a regular season like the Boston Bruins have this year. But with that being said, as soon as the playoffs start, that's all washed away. None of that matters anymore. The only reason that that matters is because it's placed you in a certain spot in the standings in order to give you what's supposed to be a favorable playoff run because you've dominated in those prior months. It's a new season. We're 500 in this new season and they don't look great, but I, they're going to figure it out. They're too good not to. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, I, people should not be panicking. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, I'm glad you, you mentioned that, you know, you, you're right. You can't really blame Omar because the team played horrible in front of him. But it was a story of turnovers. I mean, how yes. are you supposed to get any momentum going? How are you even supposed to take a damn break if your defense and your forwards keep turning the puck over in front of you? And I wanted to correct what I said earlier. Omar gave up five goals, had 24 saves. There's 29 shots, not mm. whatever I said. Um, but I wanted to ask you if you remember, I don't know if you know the numbers off the top of your head. I want you to take a guess of how many turnovers the Florida Panthers as a team had last night. Last night, not not combined. The, the entire team combined, just the Florida Panthers last night. Sixteen. The Florida Panthers last night had five turnovers. Oh my! How many did we have? Oh my god! Take a guess. Twenty-seven. The the Bruins had 15 team turnovers, so three times the turnovers that the Panthers had, four yeah, of which were go. coming from your defenseman, and Tyler Bertuzzi had three of his own. So it's going to be hard for any goalie to make any saves, to get reactionary, to do whatever he can to keep your team in the game when their own team is turning the puck over him in your own zone the entire game. Do you have those stats up in front of you right now? I do, yes. How many did Pasta have last night? Because I saw people hounding him for that. He had zero turnovers last night. Okay, then what are people talking about? I mean, it's you nailed it. It's the turnovers that are killing this team right now. And we mentioned it earlier too. Florida's played the Bruins tough all season long. And you kind of see them getting under the Bruins skin a little bit. And it's really Matt Kachuk and Sam Bennett. It's those yeah. two guys that are really getting under the skin of some of the guys on this team. I mean, last night, last night, early in the game, Matt Kachuk skated behind Allmark. There was a whistle, skated behind Allmark and pushed him out of his own crease. And nobody did anything. Wake up. Wake up. It's the playoffs. Like, the, the, you do not let anybody go near Linus Allmark and you don't let anybody push you around. Otherwise, you're going to get pushed around all series. But right now, Florida is the one setting the tone. 100%. Yeah. And I remember we talked about this a couple months ago when the Bruins had a game against uh, the Penguins. We were talking about how Tristan Jari is kind of a bitch because he has to do his own fighting because the Penguins don't defend him. And somebody right. tweeted at me today. I don't remember they're at off the top of my head, but they were mentioning listen, these are the big bad Bruins and they're playing like anything like it right now. You, you got all these rats, these scumbags in your lineup. You got Brad Marsh and you got Tyler Bertuzzi, who I give him all the credit in the world. Last night, he was doing anything he could to get this team fired up. A couple yep. games ago, he took what's his cousin's stick, I think it was, and tried to snap it in the bench <laughs> or whoever the hell stick he took. Last night, uh, he like dove at somebody at two and him in the back of the legs. There was another play with him and Macachuk where Macachuk slashed him in the back of the legs. So Bertuzzi turned around and slashed him right back. 
back. You have Bertuzzi, you have Brad Marchand, you have Garnet Hathaway, who Garnet Hathaway is getting grubby as well. But like the rest of the team, man, like what are we doing? Like you're letting the Florida Panthers come in here and dictate the pace of play. Let right. them come into your own barn and chirp your bench. Like you just said, hit your goalie. Two hand in the back of the legs. Like the Bruins are trying to catch up with the attitude of this game. And and that's their whole aura of the Boston Bruins is man, they set they set the emotion for the game. They're the ones who hit hard. They're the ones who are talking shit. They're the ones who got the pests. And and the first right. two games of the series, they've been getting it in, in terms of the emotional warfare, they've been getting it taken to them. Yeah. So uh did you happen to hear Montgomery's quote after the game last night? Uh, I quickly saw it on Twitter. No, but you can remind me. All right, so I'm going to read it right now. So this was after game two. Jim Montgomery. For me right now, I'm excited about where we're going to go right now. Like we lose last night and everyone's like, oh, the sky is falling. We're not going to heaven. We're going to hell. And to me, it's like here. We got an opportunity to get better. Playoffs aren't easy. It's not easy. But you become so much better. Your, your resolve, your resiliency. This is where you get tested. This is where I feel we have the right people in our dressing room to do that. How do you, what are your thoughts on that quote? I feel like I'm ready to run through a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. being honest with you. I mean, and, it, and, and it's, it's honestly impressive that um, the Bruins can get honestly kind of curb stomp last night the way that they did you can have your captain out of the lineup you can have a lot of things go wrong and your coach can still sit sit there in front of the media and not make any excuses but instead say everything right to rally his troops and to get everybody back uh together playing as one again and you said it earlier yeah the bruins lost six to three yeah they lost at home yeah you know you're gonna have a hard time picking out any positives from last night but at the end of the day it's one loss Right. It's a new series. It's, you know, it's tied best first to three, first three games wins. And the good news is that the majority of the games remaining in this series are in the garden. So go into Florida, try and win them both. You can't drop them both because then the Bruins are going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I, yeah. And I mean, based off of what Jim Montgomery said, and I think that this game was a good kind of kick in the face, wake up call for this team. I feel good heading into game three. Now that last part of the quote though, and this has been, uh, there's been more news that's come out about it. But the last part of that quote, this is where I feel we have the right people in our dressing room to do that. We got to talk about Patrice Bergeron. Oh, so I knew it was coming. Yeah. And it's, it's, oh uh, man, it's so, it's, it's just the most gut wrenching, um, unfortunate thing that could happen to, um, to to Bergeron himself, Bergeron's family and the team as well. So game 82, obviously Patrice Bergeron is from Quebec. He's from, you know, Montreal, essentially. Bergeron was not missing that final game in Montreal because potentially it could be his final time ever playing in Montreal. Um, and we also learned that his father uh, has been diagnosed with cancer and could, you know, Bergeron wanted to play in front of his father because, you know, who knows? Um, but Bergeron got hurt in that game. We don't know. 
um, how long the injury is. We don't even know what the injury is. We have no idea. All we know that is it's upper body. Now, when the news first came out that he was hurt, people were very reactionary, myself included. Um, not necessarily blaming Jim Montgomery, not necessarily blaming Bergeron for wanting to play, more being frustrated at the fact that it was a pointless game and this team that's been on a magical run all season has now lost their captain for an unknown amount of time. It's kind of touchy now because you can't even you you can't criticize him you and and what they're going through right now as a family it's bigger than hockey it's bigger than hockey it's it's your family it's your life it's your loved ones it's um it's the most valuable thing in an individual's life it's their family bergeron has earned every single right to do whatever he wants in this organization i think people and fans of this team are just frustrated at the fact that he got injured in that game. And it sucks. It's just, it sucks. I don't know. Yeah. It is I'm, a bit of a. I don't even know how to go about this subject. It's. Yeah. Well, it's even more difficult, too, that we don't we don't know what the injury is. And like you said, right. we don't know how long he's going to be out. But I think like you mentioned, when you kind of take a step back and you look at um, this season for Bergeron and, and especially everything that came into the season for Bergeron, no, he knew the entire year that the final game of this season before the season even started playoffs or not, there's a chance his last ever game could be at home in Montreal in front of his family Right. Bruins, Canadians, there is no way in hell that he was going to miss that game. And you could see, too, you know, towards the end of the year, he was taking some games off. He wasn't in the lineup every single night, but it didn't matter because he was playing in that game regardless. So, you know, you can't blame Bergeron for that. You can't blame Montgomery for that. It's it's hockey. And like you said, some things are bigger than hockey. And, you know, I'm sure that the whole team understands why he would want to be in the lineup that game. Right, right. But you know, as I mentioned before, the most frustrating part is we just, we don't know what the injury is. We don't know if he's going to be back next game. We don't know if he's going to be back at all. I mean, we just, we, we have no idea and you don't like to speculate injuries, but you know, thinking back about Bergeron's playoff career, I mean, this guy is an iron man. He played all right. the way to the end of the Stanley cup final with a punctured lung and broken and broken ribs. I mean, right. there is no way that this guy would miss a game, especially in the playoffs, if he could be out there. So you know that he's really hurting. And we all originally thought that it was an illness because that's what they said it was. And I think we kind of got the first whispers um, before game two when Jim Montgomery said, no, it's not an injury. He's hurt. It's an upper body injury. Um, And, you know, thinking back on Bergeron, the guys had a long, again, you don't want to speculate what his injury is, but the guy's had a a long concussion history. And when you're thinking about what this could be, you know, he's played through every, almost every injury to the body as humanly possible. This guy is like, he's a warrior. The only thing, the only injury that made sense at the time that would keep him out of a lineup is if it's something that he like league rules, he can't play. And that would be a concussion. 
And I don't know if that's the injury. I know um, he was a bit squirmish. You could see him on the bench against Montreal before he was pulled, stretching, looked like he was stretching his back out. He was, he might've been a little tight. I don't know if it's a back injury. Um, again, not speculating what his injury could be, but did you see his morning skate today? I didn't see, no. No, man, it, there was clips of it all over Twitter. The first clip that Everybody was talking about, first of all, Bergeron didn't practice. He didn't skate this one with the team. He skated individually one-on-one with a trainer. And um, it was like a 30-second clip. And I think it was um, one of the uh, – who's the morning show? Toucher and Rich. I believe Toucher yes. and Rich were the ones that tweeted it out. And Bergeron took a, a pretty healthy, hard lap around the ice. And then, um, you know, he went, I think the video picked up, he did like halfway around the ice. Then he was going back around the other, the other, the net on the far side of the ice. And you could see him and he pulled up and he was gassed, like hands on his knees, leaning forward. Um, one thing I did notice though, was that his trainer smiled, laughed, they gave him a little tap on the back on the butt with a stick. And I was like, all right, okay. Maybe he's, he's just tired. And then he went over and he like took a knee next to the boards and like, he was like full on sitting and he looked like he was in pain. He was gassed. I don't know what it was. And all the Twitter doctors came out and they're like, oh man, like it's his back. He's at, you know, he, he can't do it yeah, from, from carrying the city on his back for the past 15 Seriously. years. So like, if you look at that, fo- at that video, there's two folds. Maybe they're right. Maybe he is hurt, but, but if you're looking and you see his trainer laugh and the ice was all cut up and everything, you can tell he's been out there skating hard. And then from experience, those one-on-one skates with an instructor, you could skate for 20 minutes and you were dog tired. So if that's what the case was, I totally understand. But there was also another clip um, shot by, I don't remember who it was. It's on Twitter. I'm sure people can find it. Somebody who was up in like the nosebleed to the Warrior Ice Arena, taking a video of Bergeron doing like full on, like he was skating around uh, tires on the ice, doing an offensive drill, ripping a shot. Looked a little slow, looked a little gingerly. But again, I mean, he could have been dog tired from skating all day. So we still don't know. I know that the Bruins, I believe they just called up, uh, they just called up one of their emergency backups. I don't remember who it was, um, but it looks like that might indicate that Bergeron might not make the trip to Florida. So at the end of the day, we don't know what the hell is going on, but I do know one thing. This team could have used Patrice Bergeron in the lineup last night because when things were starting to unravel, they unraveled real fast. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, um, obviously all thoughts from the Bruins family goes out to Bergeron's family and his father. Um, at the end of the day, that's that matters far more than this playoff run. Um, obviously, we hope that he gets back with the team pretty soon. Hopefully, he gets healthy and he gets going again. And he's ready to go because this team and the city and the fan base misses him dearly. But um, with that being said, we're probably about halfway through the episode. So I do want to remind everybody that we are brought to you in partnership with Cano Wellness. Cano Wellness offers you four distinct experiences for the different challenges that you may face throughout the day. Cano Sleep, Cano Mend, Cano Fresh, and Cano Boost. It's a trusted brand for sports, fitness, and wellness households. With over 50 vitamins, nutrients, and herbal extracts and four compact sprays, it's the most convenient way to get back on track with no pills, water, or messy powders. 90% of nutrients in these oral sprays are absorbed in less than 30 seconds. It's like an entire health food store in your pocket and is endorsed by Olympians, NHL players, and pro sports stars who rely on the Cano Wellness Company to support high performance. Mel, let's talk about each product. 
Let's talk about it. Cannabis gives you the ability to skip the coffee and sugary snacks and energize the healthy way. Use daily before you work out, when studying for an exam, and other times you need increased clarity, stamina, and concentration. Cannamen provides the after-party liver support and works fast to relieve hangovers in the morning after drinking. This unique oral spray supplement is blended with 11 vegan vitamins and herbal extracts to replenish your body to combat headaches, sickness, and lack of energy. Canna Fresh reduces stress and gives your body an immune system boost. Whether you're nervous before a presentation or you need to calm down after a hectic day, the 11 natural and vegan ingredients of Canna Fresh take the edge off without making you drowsy or unmotivated. Canna Sleep is an all-natural and vegan sleep aid which is convenient and fast-absorbing. No mixing beverages, no waiting for gummies to kick in, just spray it, roll over, and snooze. Control your dosage on how much sleep you need. If you want to try these amazing Canna Wellness all-natural oral sprays, please go to cannawellness.com. That is C-A-N-I-Wellness.com and use our promo code BNG25. That is B-N-G-25 to get 25% off everything on the cannawellness.com website. We thank Kenna Wallace for sponsoring this episode in our weekly Boston Bruins related podcast. Sully, back to you. All right. So I know we got some voicemails. I think we should hit those up. I think that we should as well. Let's see. By the way, by the way Toronto is up 2 nothing now. Damn. Quick little update. We got, uh, is, is Hedman still not playing? Uh, I, I believe he's out. That's tough. Yeah. Um, we got one voicemail, and it is from Wednesday at ten thirty nine. So this was following the game last night. This is what they said. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hi, this is X from Bridgewater. Uh, legitimately the worst game of the season. Did not expect it to be. It did not expect it to happen in in the playoffs, but. Uh, do you think it is time to take Ink Orlov out of the lineup and put in, in Grizzlick? I mean, Money Puck has shown that uh, the Grizzlick McAvoy pairing is one of the best in the entire, uh, was one of the best in the entire league during the regular season. Do you think that it's time to, um, to do that in the playoffs? Yes. To put Grizzlick in, give Orlov the scratch because Orlov has looked like garbage. Orlov has legitimately looked like one of our, our worst defensemen in, in over the past two games. Games. So I want to know what you guys think about uh, about Grizzlick because I know Bruins fans seem to be very, very split uh, on their feelings on Grizzlick. Thank you. Okay, I don't think you take Orlov out. I think the odd man out is forward. And I know we kind of talked about it earlier, but you picked up Orlov at the deadline to make a playoff run. You, you, you don't sit him. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Grizzly in and Orlov as well. He's the elder. Well, wait, defenseman. He's, he's not wrong though. Orlov has not looked good. No, I, I will say that he's right about that. Yeah. And it's not just uh, the turnovers that he's getting, but it's where his turnovers are. They, yeah. I've, I've never seen somebody so consistently turn the puck over. It's like laughing at a funeral. Like it's the absolute worst time, the worst spot oh, on the ice. Oh, oh, and he, and he, manages, <laughs> he manages to turn the puck over. Um, but no, Grizzly, <laughs> I think, should definitely be in. But another important thing that Orlov brings to your defensive unit is he's the only defenseman on the team 
over the age of 30. How old is Forbert? Is he 30? Either way, he's also a Stanley Cup champion. So that's important as well to have another guy in the locker room who's been through the grit and the grind of what it takes to hold the trophy overhead at the end of the year. Um, now, I do like his point that he had too. It's three to one now? No, Forbert, Forbert's 30, 31. Okay. So, okay. So you got two guys over the age of 30, but you're subbing one in for whatever. Um, I love, oh, yeah. I do think I like his point about Grizzly going in. I think that a lot of people are agreeing that Grizzly could have made some sort of impression in these last couple games that he wasn't playing. But I like the idea of putting Grizzly up on that first pairing with with Charlie McAvoy and spreading yeah. out the rest of your dogs. Maybe you could bump down Orlov. I mean, Orlov can play left and right. Have your second pairing be Orlov and uh, would you go Orlov and Carlo or Orlov and Lindholm? I almost I want to see go. Lindholm play with Clifton. I think that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> it would be fun. I, that's the thing. Like, do you put Orlov on that third pairing though? You could. I just, I, uh, I wouldn't want him to get third pairing minutes though. Exactly. That's what I'm saying too. But, 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 um, Grizzlick and McAvoy have been a phenomenal pairing together. They have. I don't, you, you can, M- Montgomery can, um, I mean, he's going to always use the option of just kind of mixing it together mid game too. This team is fluid enough and this team is deep enough where you're going to be able to do that and not, you know, um, take too many risks while doing it. I mean, look at our defensive core. You got Lindholm or you got Grizzlick, say Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo. And then I guess you do. I guess you go Orlov and Clifton. Those are three. Know. Those are three really solid pairings too. But that that left side defense, it goes Grizzlick, Lindholm, Orlov. I mean, come on. And or you could go Orlov, Lindholm, Grizzlick. I think. Yeah, I mean, know, I think Grizz needs to be in the lineup. Grizz needs to be in lineup game three. Yeah. I don't care. He's e- got to either be way. Either way, there has to be some sort of shakeup with what we saw last game with the defensive unit because they sucked. They were horrible. Yeah. Uh, but that was the only voicemail we received. But I did want to uh, read this tweet in some replies. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, if, if you're not following our Something's Brewing podcast Twitter account, what are you doing? Give us a follow at Bruins something, no G. We tweeted, Bruins fans, this is a safe space. Feel free to share some immediate reactions below following the game last night. And I wanted to read you some of the reactions. We had Melinda at Melinda underscore paint said Bruins will beat the odds obstacles facing them. I feel this strongly. This team faces adversity very well. They do. They've done it all year. Jared, you can follow Jared at JJ hockey underscore 15 said not a great showing by the Bruins tonight left Olmark out to dry. Our best players didn't show up besides Brad Marchand. The team misses their captain and needs him to be back soon. Can only get better from here on out. I could not agree with him more. And that's why it's so important that Nick Felino is back and in this lineup because you're missing your captain, but you got this guy, Nick Felino, who was wearing the C for like six years in Columbus. So that has to definitely help. I would think. Um, enjoying the bees. You can follow them on Twitter at Jason underscore B seven, seven said in shock. Is, is this what Drago Drago felt like when he first saw his own blood or is this what Rocky (laughs) felt like after Apollo died and looked up at Drago? Damn. Spoiler alert. Can we send the team to train in the snow mountains before heading to Florida? If it was possible, I wish that they could. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. I, I read that yesterday when he, when Jared first replied and I was like, damn, that's actually pretty or Jason, sorry, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Cad, you can follow Cad at Historic Olmark. Love the at. Wow, what is that? 
Oh yeah, said difficult, very hard game. Not enough effort or pressure being put on the puck. Too many turnovers. Such a sloppy play style in the third. Speed things up and look for game three. Yeah, dude, game three is a must win. You gotta win game three. I think I think at this point it is as well. I remember I, I was watching the game last night with my mom, and she was like, "Is this a, is this a must win game for the Panthers?" And I was like, "Honestly, for the Panthers, this very well might be." Yeah. <laughs> and they ended up pulling out the win, and now it's starting and, to pivot, saying one of these two games is a must win for the Bruins. And she's no, your mom's right. Game two for the Panthers was definitely a must win, and they played that way too. It was very yeah. evident. Which is surprisingly too, because the Panthers are like a 500 team on the road this year, but they came yeah. into Boston where it's been increased. I think the Bruins have lost like they've lost their their 34, four and three at home this year, and they got <laughs> shellacked last night, six to three. Schlacked, schlacked. Viking Nerd, you can follow them on Twitter at Viking Nerd with two D's. Said they got bullied at home. Hope this lights a fire under their asses. Berg was solely missed for his leadership and his faceoff prowess. Krejci struggled. Mm. Krejci sucked in the face-off dot last night. I don't have his numbers in front of me of what he did, but I remember my – oh, here it is. Krejci was 42% in the face-off dot. He was 8-11. and 11. Okay, not as bad as I thought it was immediately, but a lot of those losses were in the offensive zone, I will admit. I remember picking uh. up on that last night. Sparky Marley, you can follow them on Twitter at Marley Sparky, said, Florida's a great team. The Bruins weren't going to go 16-0. I know they will rebound. Hopefully they fix the mistakes, not give up so many turnovers, and we go up 2-1. This is obvious. I think we should we should start Swayman in game three. Uh, I don't like that idea. I think it's more so I don't want to start Swayman because it could have a huge, massive backfire. I think right, right. Right, exactly. Tanner Castleman, you can follow Tanner on Twitter at TCAS44, said, no big deal. The leadership this group has, that won't happen again. Good to have some adversity early on. Throw that one out the window and regroup. Yep, that's that's where the mindset should be. It was one game. The the ceiling isn't falling. Everyone relax. We got pooped on for sure, but but it's it's one game. Series is tied. It's don't panic yet. Just make the correct adjustments. Matthew Brunner, follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Brunner. But Matthew is spelled M-A-T-H-I-E-U. Said luckily we can only get better, and we've seen better this season. Listen, I tweeted it. uh, I think yesterday. The last time the Bruins lost by three plus goals against the Panthers, I think was way back in like December when the Bruins lost five to two. The next 13 games or 14 games, 13 games after that three plus goal loss, the Bruins went 10, one and two. So I know this is a little different because they're playing the Florida Panthers again, but the Bruins have been beaten badly this year by a couple of teams that they should have beat and they've done nothing but rebound immediately after. So Tomorrow, or I guess tonight when this is coming out, this game Friday night, is a huge game for a multitude of reasons. And Face, you can follow them on Twitter at FaceTheFacts15. So the Bruins are choke artists since 2012 until Ugh. we are all proven wrong. Mm. I think the only series I might agree with that is uh, the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019, which is still get a little it's lump in my throat when I talk about that. It's haunting. It is. Uh, Ralph, follow him on Twitter, at Ralph underscore Attleboro, said, it's one thing to play hard and still lose. It's a very bad thing when to give very little effort and lose. They played like it was not the playoffs. They should have been playing pissed off that they were losing. That's exactly what you and I said 
I mean, right. this team, they had, it seemed like there were points in the game where this team had no backbone. Like they weren't willing to, they were down six, five to two in Boston, in the playoffs. Marathon was just Monday. The, the, the garden's packed and you're letting the other team take it to you. Uh, this is the last one. This is from a uh, friend of the show, Chris Nosick. Follow him on Twitter at cnosick6342. Let's go, Chris. Game. Also, are- fellow, fellow host of the What's Brewing live show on Monday nights. Tune into that live at 6 o'clock. No, one of the hosts doesn't even know the time of his own show. <laughs> <laughs> Chris gave us his uh, lineups for next game. He said, for, assuming Bergeron is healthy, he said, first line, Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque. Second line, yep. Bertuzzi, Krejci, Pasta. Which I love because that Bertuzzi and Pasta chemistry off the chain right now. Third line, Hall, Coyle, Zaka. Fourth line, Lauko, mm. and Felino. Mm. How, do you, how do you feel about pulling Frederick out of the lineup? 50-50. I want to see Lauko in this lineup at one point. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Listen, Fre- would you take Freddie out? I, I think I would take him out more as a message. The okay. guy almost had 20 goals this year, and a lot of what he brings a lot more than just his ability to put the puck in the back of the net. He's also one of those scumbags that we referenced earlier, man. He gets under people's skin. He pisses people off, and he hasn't been doing that these first couple games. If you can't score, at least go out and piss some people off, and maybe pulling them out of a big game will wake them up, and it's not so much you're taking a step back because you're putting in Lauko, who can also score. And like Chris said here as well, Lauko draws a lot of penalties, and Florida is primed to give some now. This is a yep. team that we just mentioned, I believe, was they're either second or third in the league in penalty minutes this year. Florida was, so... Um, but at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because the Bruins have been piss poor in the power play. So I don't know. Um, those were all of the responses to this tweet. Did we get any any DMs? Did you notice? Um, we did get one from Born Bruin Media. If you guys don't follow Born Bruin Media on Twitter, you're making a mistake because he puts out amazing content. Um, he's always making his gifts. He's always putting out memes. He's it's he he makes phenomenal content. Um, but he said, in regards to last night, the bees have been playing in, th- in third gear for over a month. We talk about getting good habits and playing the right way. All good points. But reality is, you don't just go from third gear to fifth gear. Last night's loss put the bees in fourth and will be up to sixth by the time they are back in Boston. They are the best team in history and they will show everyone why they are. Great pod. Keep it up, boys. Go bees. He's right. He's 100% right. It's, it's, people are overreacting a little bit. I agree. Last night's game was not good in the slightest. And game <laughs> one, they didn't look that good either. But a, a team as good as the Bruins and as deep as the Bruins and as experienced as the Bruins aren't going to lay an egg in, in an entire series. They're going to find their gear, they're going to find it and they're going to bring it to Florida, and hopefully it's in this game three, and then they carry that momentum into game four and back into Boston and end this series and move on to round two. It's not a guarantee. Florida's not going to lay down and die. Matt Kachuk is one of, I mean, he's one hell of a motivated player, and he's on a Florida team that he basically dragged into the playoffs single-handedly. He's not going to roll over and die. He's going to do everything that he can in his power 
to keep the Panthers alive for as long as they can. Yeah, I mean, all the pressure is on the Bruins right now. I mean, yes. Uh, as of like a week left in the season, the Panthers weren't even expecting to make the playoffs. It took a heroic, um, uh, shitty performance by the Penguins dropping games to the Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets for the playoffs to shake out as they did with the Islanders getting the seventh seed and the Florida Panthers getting the eighth seed. Um, they're playing with house money right now. They have nothing to lose and they know it. So they're going to come into Boston and they're going to do what they did last night. They're going to talk their shit. They're going to get under your skin. They're going to piss you off and they're going to throw pucks on net. And last night it worked. I think that this game humbles the Bruins, the 6-3 to three loss that they had last night. I think it humbles the Bruins. I think it helps center them. I think it helps ground them because they've had stretches this year where they've looked like the greatest team in NHL history because if they win the Stanley Cup this year, they probably will be because they've set every record along the way. But they've definitely had their speed bumps along the way too. We mentioned they lost 5-2 to in Florida back in December. They got uh, their shit rocked by the Detroit Red Wings. They lost to the Chicago Blackhawks, which you just mentioned is now the second worst loss of the season. And they've rebounded every single time after those losses. So until they've proven anything else to us, I think that's what we have to expect going into game three. The, and it, it doesn't matter that the game's in Florida. It didn't matter that the last two games were in Boston. It's a new series. And there is no other team I would trust to rebound in a situation like this than the Boston Bruins. Not just in terms of getting back on track after a game like that, but also in terms of losing your captain Bergeron and maybe having some guys shuffling around in, the, in your defensive unit and maybe uh, switching around some guys on your fourth line. I mean, if there's any team that you can feel confident in with these changes and these parameters heading into next game, it's the Bruins because they've done it all year long. They're the kings of adversity, and I don't expect it to change anytime soon. Yeah. Um, not a question, but I, would, I do want to mention this as well. Uh, the boys only at uh, only Bruins, great dudes. Go check out their podcast if you haven't listened before. You can also follow them on Twitter at OnlyBruins1. I wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, Boozy has a GoFundMe going for his friend Anthony Luis Zayas. Myself and Celia are sending you our prayers. If anybody wants to go uh, learn a little bit about his friend Anthony or um, you know uh, help support uh, his GoFundMe and his cause, you can go check out their Twitter account. Follow them on Twitter at OnlyBruins1. Um, we also retweeted it on the Something's Bruin Twitter account. You can go check that out. Um, wishing everything's okay. Praying for you, booze, and your friend. But uh, did we get any other questions other than that one that you just read? Um, I believe that that's it. I'm, I'm double-checking right now. But um, outside of really those reactions, I think that was it for the questions. Um, I do have a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Come game three, if Bergeron still isn't playing, I've seen some people on Twitter say move Krejci up to the first line. Is that something that you would do? No, me per- me personally, no. Okay, all right, I, I wouldn't no, either. I wouldn't. Um, I I don't know. I'm a, a couple things. He's old as dirt, and I'm still a little hesitant about giving him that many minutes playing against the other team's top line this deep into the season in the playoffs. Not that he can't do it. He's still playing great hockey, but I mean, I, I think he'd be more effective on your second line than he is bumping up to the first, but more importantly, I want him staying with pasta. And if right. you were to bump Krejci up either, he's not playing with pasta anymore. That just leaves a hole in your second line center. I mean, I know you can bump Zaka up to that spot, but I just think that you're making one change. Then you have to make a bunch of other changes to implement the change that you or to fix a change you just made in your second line. So, no, I think I would keep Krejci at the second line center, but then who would you go with your first line center? Would you keep it with, uh, with who was it, Zaka last night? 
Yeah, I think you got to I think you got to keep Zaka. Yeah, I think you're right. But I do I do I know I mentioned earlier I really like the the pairing of uh or the duo of Bertuzzi and Pasta. Some chemistry coming out, huh? Some of those passes that Pasta that uh, Bertuzzi was making to Pasta. Mm-hmm. And it makes me excited for this offseason. Hopefully the Don Sweeney can keep him around a little longer. I would um, do anything. I would do anything. You got to I think you got to keep Bertuzzi. You got to keep Bertuzzi. He's built for this city. Like literally. the way, like he's just, he's literally, like it's, it's passing the torch. Brad Marchand just <laughs> giving it to Tyler Bertuzzi. It's same kind of player, but obviously Bertuzzi isn't as skilled or as good as Marchand is, but he's like, I don't want to say he's a poor man's Marchand, but he's like between a poor man's Marchand and, and, and Brad Marchand. I love it. Yeah. They've also been I, getting a lot of production out of him too since he came over from Detroit. Yeah, I mean, Marshawn called him a little grease ball last night. <laughs> I know, oh, yeah. Know, yeah, we're talking about when he stole the stick. Should we uh, should we take a little trip around the NHL to maybe give our predictions for some of these series? Yeah, let's let's do some quick predictions and then uh, we're probably going to call it a show. Um, let's see here. So I'm gonna let's start with the West. Um, let's see here. Do, do, do. All right. Uh, right now, Edmonton and LA, they're tied at one in the series. Um, Mel, who's your pick? And, and how many games? And how many games? Listen, I I think I think Edmonton's going to come out of the West. I think that this is their year to make it to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Um, I think it's, it's going to be a good series against the Kings. Um, but I'm going to take – I'm taking Edmonton in six. I have the exact same. Edmonton in really? six. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a series that could very easily go seven, but I think um, it's definitely going no less than six because these are two teams that do not like each other, and it's really it's really good hockey too. The guys are flying all over the ice, but at the end of the day, man, McDavid, Drysaddle, the Kings just can't match that. Right. All right, Colorado, Seattle. Right now, uh, the series is uh, one nothing Seattle. It'll be different yeah. by the, by the time this podcast drops because it's currently eight o'clock and they don't play until ten tonight, so it'll be different. But right now, cracking up one nothing. I think. Wow, really? Damn. I I I thought going into this series, I just because the Kraken are it's their second year in existence, um, and obviously the Avalanche, the reigning Stanley Cup chance. I I know they have a lot of injuries. I don't believe Kel McCarr played game one. Is he playing tonight? Do you know? I think he did play game one. Well, either way, that was a banged up Kill McCarr that's coming back. Gabe Landeskog isn't back this year. Um, so they do have some some hinderings on their team. But no, I still think the, that the Avalanche are going to win. I was going to say Avalanche in five, but after hearing that they're down one nothing right now, I'm going to take Avalanche in six. But if they drop both games to start the series at home, that's not good. I say Kraken in six. <laughs> Kraken in six. Wow. Colorado, Colorado was banged up. Um, they went on a deep run last year, obviously, and they just haven't been the same all year. Seattle's running off a, a little bit of adrenaline. I uh, I like Seattle in that series. Listen, these teams that have nothing to lose, you really got to watch out for them. Like yeah. Seattle, man, they got nobody really expects them to beat the Avalanche, but no. they won three to one game one. They're up one nothing right now. These are two games in Colorado. It's the same thing that that the Panthers are doing to the Bruins. What they did last game, they're just playing with house money. You got to be yeah. scared of teams like that. All right, right now Dallas and Minnesota tied at one. Oh, that's a great series. I know. Um, I'm gonna take Dallas. Just because they have the otter. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. Uh, Dallas, they're going to need Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan to pick it up, though. Yeah, Minnesota's good, but I don't think they're good enough. I'm going to say Dallas in six. Yeah. Minnesota's a fun team, though. Now, Vegas and Winnipeg. Right now, Winnipeg's up one nothing. If if Edmonton shit the bed, I mean, Vegas was my pick to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals in the West. Um, at the end of the day, though, ah, you see, it's so hard because Vegas is the better team, but like you can never count out Connor Hellebuck. Oh. Um, but you can never count out Bruce Cassidy, baby. I'm gonna take <laughs> Vegas. I'm gonna take Vegas in six. Yeah, I have Vegas in six as well. I think um, all four of these series I said would end in six. Yeah, I, think, I think so too. <laughs> I, I think I, actually, I think I did too. But all right, so moving to the East, Devils and Rangers. Right now, Rangers are up one nothing on the Devils. Um, in the first two games, we're in Jersey, right? Yes. Wow. Um, the Devils are the better team. But I'm gonna take the Rangers, the Rangers, yep. and you know what? I'm dropping the six. I think they're gonna show out. I'm taking Rangers in five. Really, really. I think that uh, Igor can just get hot, and it doesn't matter if you can pepper him with forty to fifty shots. He can slam the door on you. So I, I, I think it's gonna go six. But I've said six every game, so every series so far. So I'm taking the Rangers in five. I'm gonna take the Rangers in seven, and I think it's oh. strict, I'm gonna. It's strictly because the Rangers have more experience than guys like Jack Hughes, Luke Hughes, Heisher, um, Jesper Bratt, guys like that. They're, they're gonna make it a hell of a series, but I think the Rangers are gonna come out on top in seven. Yeah, man, the Devils are just so young. They're gonna be in this situation for years to come. So now I don't. I, I don't want to jinx it, so we're not going to do the Bruins. We're not, oh, doing, the, okay. we're not, we're not doing the Bruins. Series. We're, we're going to let that one play out and let God make his decision. Um, Toronto-Tampa. Right now, Tampa leads one nothing, but in game two, Toronto's up 3 nothing at the end of the first. Yeah, that's, that's tough because... Well, two things. It, it sucks for Tampa because uh, Victor Hedman's not playing tonight. I don't know how long he's going to be out. That is a massive blow, no matter yep. how you cut it up. If you're if you're the Lightning, um, Michael Bunting, that dickhead from the <laughs> from the Maple Leafs, just doing what the Maple Leafs do. He just got himself suspended for the rest of the year. Congrats, buddy. I'm saying <laughs> uh, I'm saying Lightning and four. <laughs> Give him a sweep. <laughs> Lightning and four. I'm gonna say. Toronto in seven. Toronto wins this series in seven. Bunting doing the Nazem Kadri Toronto Maple Leaf special. I got one them. guy. I got wait. Did you say what's the score of this game right now? Three nothing. Oh, three nothing Toronto. Okay, I was gonna ask Damon. I had I was driving home from work today and I was like, damn, like the Lightning really beat the shit out of the Maple Leafs tonight. Like what was it, seven to three? Something like that. I was I was gonna ask. You know, if the winner, I mean. Again, we will pray to the hockey gods that the Bruins make it to the second round. And if they do, they have a date with one of these two teams. After mm-hmm. seeing Tampa beat the shit out of the Maple Leafs in game one, would you be a little worried if you were to play Tampa in round two? I would be a little worried with either of them, but I think I would rather play Toronto. One, because it's it's no matter what 
when his little brother like, <laughs> Toronto. Oh my god! But those series are so electric. They're so electric. The fan bases hate each other. There's so much history in the last decade with these two teams. Oh, it yeah. would be it would be awesome. Like Toronto finally gets out of the first round. Who's their matchup? The Bruins. Like <laughs> the Bruins, who just put together the greatest season in NHL history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just the the whole drama aspect of it. I would love. Um, so I'm yeah. I'm rooting for that. Honestly, for, for the lightning. For the Lightning, too, obviously, I do not want to see Andre Vasilevsky in the playoffs yeah, either. Yeah, um, but what I would like to see is more of those uh, Toronto Maple Leafs like fan cams when they're all upset oh, and yeah. pissed off that their team just like blew some sort of huge lead or just got destroyed in the playoffs. They they were in game one when they were getting blown out by Tampa. They they kept cutting back to Maple Leaf Square and everybody just looked so sad. Whoever is like the producer for those shows like has to be a Bruins fan or a, literally a fan <laughs> of any other team in the NHL because I can't think of anybody who likes the and it's the Maple Leafs and it's funny because like you listen to like other podcasts from fans of other teams and like literally whenever anybody has an opportunity to take a jab or a shot at the Maple Leafs everybody takes it. I yeah, love it. it. It's hilarious. I love it. It's my it's my favorite pastime of the NHL. It's 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 literally it might be my favorite part of the NHL to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but the last one here, Carolina, New York Islanders. Right now, Carolina's up two nothing. Uh, how are you seeing this one playing out? Oh, uh, you know, I'm gonna take Islanders in seven. Really, the Hurricanes have some big injuries. You hear who's a Teravinian just like broke his hand or some shit. Yep, he's out for the playoffs. He's getting surgery on it. I don't know. I, I mean, know that the. I mean, hey, game one was a one goal game. Game two was a one goal game. Carolina took it in overtime in game two. Um, oh yeah, so they're close games. Uh, oh, that's so by the tough. way. Did you see how they scored that that goal yeah. in overtime last night? Do you think that was a penalty? I mean, it obviously was, but like. Uh, he got yes. whacked in the face, it looked like. I mean, there's no way to cut it. <laughs> yeah, he got hit the schnoz. But um, I'm going to take Islanders in seven, just like you. I'm taking Islanders in seven. Wow. Sorokin's, yeah, Sorokin's just, he's not going to stop playing well. Um, and like you just said, Tara Vinans hurt. They don't have Svechnikov. Uh, both the first both of the first games, honestly, could have been a coin flip. Could have gone either way. Islanders are playing good. Yeah, I like that. Islanders in seven. Yeah, where we are right now with the Bruins and Panthers at 1-1 and the Islanders down against the Hurricanes 2-0, do you still feel like you would have rather play the Panthers in the first round than the Islanders? Yes. I yes. think I would yeah. too. Yes. I think I would too. And and I think that's because – no, no, you can go first. The, 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 I'm not and, – and if the Bruins lose game three, I'll be worried. But – I'm not worried yet. I, I I feel like the Bruins are going to kind of take these two games. They're going to have tonight off and they're going to look at it and they're going to say, okay, this is what we need to do better. We know we're a better team than them. So what are we doing? Let's figure it out. Let's simplify our game and take it game three, make it easy. Don't overthink anything and just play hockey. And I think once they get into that mindset, it's, 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 it's straight cooking for the Bruins. Yeah, <laughs> straight cooking. And no, like not to sound like a conceited Bruins fan, because I promise I'm not. But yeah. if they were to if they were to play the Islanders and to lose a game, I would say okay, they probably lost because um, Sorokin stole a game, 
or whatever happened happened. But it feels like when the Bruins have when they lost their game to the Panthers last night, or when you're listening to this two nights ago, it's because it felt like the Bruins lost the game. Like they played the worst game in the history of the organization. They had a thousand turnovers. They did literally nothing right. And they still hung three goals on the board. Uh, I know they had a disastrous True. third period, but it was a tie game 2-2 until they were, you know, 15 seconds into the third period when they gave up that goal. Um, yeah. But I think, I think you're right. And, and I would much rather go against uh, Alex Lyon than I would against Sorokin. Yeah, hundred percent. Hey, well, uh, with that being said, thank you all for listening to um, episode thirty-eight. I can't believe we're on episode thirty-eight. Holy! I know it. We've come crazy. a long way. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, thank you all for listening to episode thirty-eight. Um. Obviously, we got we got a hell of a series on our hands. Florida's not going to roll over. They're not going to die. Um, but this team is too deep. They're too experienced. Um, there's, there's no need to panic. The, our goalie just had one of the best seasons of all time. Um, you could call it maybe a little bit of a regular season hangover in these first two games, and they still split. But, you know, Florida's not going to die. Nothing's a given in the playoffs. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, anything can happen. Um, so just don't think it's an easy ride into round two. Playoff hockey's a different animal. You know, I was just thinking, like, I can't imagine, like, can you imagine being a hockey coach and, like, your team is getting pooped on and you got to walk into the locker room and, like, fire these guys? I would have no idea what to say. <laughs> like, I, would just, I, would, I would just pull a Herb Brooks and start flipping tables. Go, what is <laughs> happening right no, now? No, what literally, are you doing? literally every time your team's, team's losing, you walk into the locker room. Great <laughs> moments. Or <laughs> great. And like you're like you're the coach of the Blue Jackets. You got to do that like sixty times a year. <laughs> you walk in locker room, you give the same speech. Game um, game five. Game five. The message just gets so stale. Everyone's like, "Shut yeah. up!" I know, I know we weren't gonna talk about it because we don't want to jinx it. You don't have to answer, but I gotta ask. The next time you record this podcast will be Tuesday night. Next episode mm-hmm. drop will be next Wednesday. There's two hockey games we play between now and then. Do you have any predictions as to what the series will be at come our next episode next Tuesday? 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. I think I think, right. I think we split. I think hey, I think honestly if if I'm going with my gut and I hate it, but I'm just going to go with my gut. I think we're going to drop game 3 and then everybody's going to be in a full-blown panic oh, and then God. game 4 we take that's just my gut. And I hate saying that because I don't want to be I don't want to be right and I don't want to be negative. I have faith in this team. I'm not I'm not saying um that you know the, the world is falling, but I'm saying this is gonna be a tough series. It's not gonna be easy. Yeah. Listen, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That is a good thing. Honestly, I would almost rather I mean, you you don't want to you know be worried that your team's not going to win. But if the Bruins are to advance, again, not saying it, please hockey gods. But if the Bruins are to advance, I would feel much better about the Bruins facing a battle-hardened, probably seven-game series, either Lightning or Maple Leafs, coming off a hard-fought series against the Panthers, than I would if the Bruins just had a cakewalk, four-game yeah. sweep, 
not even close against the Panthers, sitting comfortably, waiting for the Lightning or the Maple Leafs because they've had a real easy go of it this year. I mean, they 65, 12, and 5. I mean, there's not much that's gone wrong this year. So, like, let's throw a little adversity their way. Let's have them have the worst game of the season in the playoffs and see how they respond. And if the Bruins come out yeah. screaming game three, I know you just said you think that they might lose game three, but if the Bruins come out screaming game three and they win, I don't know, 4 nothing, 4-1, whatever it is it might be, I would feel a lot better about this team moving forward than I already do, which is already pretty good. And a lot of these teams too, that, that make it the distance that whether it be a Stanley cup or a championship in another sport or a national championship, they all have one gross, disgusting, ugly loss that they had. And a lot of them say, yeah, that loss had to happen. Like yeah, it's yes, like, yes, not, yes, not exactly. Not to go across sports, but like that 2008 Patriots team that was 16 and 0 and lost in the Super Bowl. I, in my heart of hearts, feel like if they lost like a week 15 or elite week 16 game, they would have won the Super Bowl because sometimes you yep. just have to get that out of the way. You have to get the, the, the bumps, the learning moments out of the way. And I feel like this is a, I, I've said it a couple times this episode, I feel like this is going to be a big wake up call to the Bruins because this is the biggest yep. slap in the face that this team could get. Hey, better to lose now when your back isn't up against the wall. Your yeah. back's not up against the wall yet. So that they take that loss, learn from it, and move on. And, and bring it game three. I hope I'm wrong. I hate I hate that I said that, that I think they're gonna lose game three, but I'm just I'm just being honest. Yeah, but, no, it it's better to lose in a game three or a game two than it is in a game seven. Oh, let's just Let's just not lose anymore. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah, hey, thank you for all for tuning in to episode 38 of Something Brewing Podcast. Uh, shout out to all of you guys who sent in the reactions after the game to, to our Twitter account. Um, we'll, we're going to continue to do that throughout playoffs. So the more interactions, the better. The more voicemails, the better. The more DMs, the better. The show is driven by you guys. So um, the more participation from you all, the better it is for us and the more um, personal we can make the show for everybody out there who's listening. Um, but let's get hyped. Let's get ready for a trip down to Sunrise, Florida, for a couple of games out in the sunshine and sunny state of Florida, USA. Honestly, uh, it's going to be like a home game for the Bruins, the amount of snowbirds yeah. that go down to Florida from Boston. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, tickets down there are dirt cheap, too. So, I mean, hopefully that place is filled with black and gold and we can be louder than the uh, the Florida fans that are down there. But yeah, um, the four or five that they have. Yeah. But with that being said, episode 38. Great episode, beginning of the playoffs. Hopefully we have a lot more episodes to cover during this playoff run. And uh, we will catch you all next week. Bye. had a bottle of right behind you the Bruins bottle new Amsterdam my mom brought it home for me and she goes hey I have a present for you and she brought it out and she goes it's empty it wasn't when I got it but now it is wait look what I keep I keep this on my desk this this was the first the first time I ever like blacked out vomited (laughs) died my entire life was when I drank this bottle so I kept it as a keepsake it was sophomore year college I have the the first bottle of spit and chiclets, uh, pink. What, what the hell is it called? Pink Whitney. I have that in my room too. It's like three, four years old now at this point. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs>